0: Welcome to the end of innocence. I'm your host John Young. In last week's episode we heard about President Kennedy's throat wound from the first doctors that treated him, the Parkland doctors in Dallas. This week we will hear what those same doctors have to say about the wound that killed President Kennedy pretty much instantly, the headshot.
1: appears as though something has happened in the motorcade route.
2: Something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route. There's numerous people running up the hill alongside Elm Street, there by the Simmons Freeway. Several police officers are rushing up the hill at this time. Stand by. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy
1: died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago.
2: This just in from Dallas, Homicide Chief Captain Will Fritz said today, the assassination case against Lee Harvey Oswald is cinched. He said flatly, this is the man that killed President Kennedy, 24-year-old Lee Harvey Oswald.
1: Oh, the no, they're taking me in because of the fact that I okay. live in the, city. the I'm, I'm just a part of has
0: been shot. has been shot. shot. Eddie Oswald has been shot. There's a the man with a gun.
1: again is what we know so far. President Kennedy has been wounded in an assassination attempt. He is reported in very serious and critical condition. Uh, He has been given a blood transfusion. He is being treated at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas, Texas, where the attack took place. There are reports in Dallas that a young man has been taken into custody, but there are no indications that he has been charged with anything. He is insisting he had nothing to do with the attempt on the president's life.
0: when JFK arrived at Parkland Memorial Hospital, he did have a slight pulse, and because he was the president, they began blood transfusion and gave him CPR for an extended amount of time as he was fading away. However, the gunshot wound to his head was not a survivable wound, and he was brain dead at the instant he was shot. I believe they worked harder to keep him technically alive for as long as possible, because Kennedy was Catholic and it was important to Jackie that the last rites were read before he was declared dead. A priest did show up and read the last rites, and Kennedy was officially declared dead at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. A press conference was given at Parkland Memorial Hospital beginning at 2.16 p.m. on November 22, 1963, just over an hour after President Kennedy had been pronounced dead. The conference was held by two doctors, Dr. Malcolm Perry and Dr. Kemp Clark, and a member of the White House staff, Wayne Hawkes. The conference is a significant incident in the John F. Kennedy assassination for a couple of reasons. Dr. Malcolm Perry stated three times that he considered the wound in Kennedy's throat to be one of entrance, not exit. Dr. Perry, who was experienced in interpreting bullet wounds, had inspected the wound before he performed a tracheotomy on the president. A shot in the throat from the front would, of course, both invalidate the single bullet theory and, when combined with certain uncontroversial items of evidence, prove that at least two gunmen took part in the assassination. Dr. Perry's remarks in the press conference were, he said, quote, there was an entrance wound in the neck. End quote. He was then asked which way was the bullet coming on the neck wound? At him? Perry says, It appeared to be coming at him. The wound appeared to be an entrance wound in the front of the throat. Yes, that is correct. End quote. The evidence contained in the press conference was willfully ignored by the Warren Commission, which made only a token effort to locate a recording or transcript of the conference. The original statements of the Parkland Hospital doctors who treated President Kennedy supported the idea of a small entrance wound in his throat and a massive exit wound in the back of his head. Of the 16 medical personnel at Parkland who interacted with the president, none of them noted the presence of a small entrance wound in the back of his head, which is what the doctors that performed his autopsy say they saw. Let's take a look at what the Parkland doctors had to say about the nature of President Kennedy's fatal head wound. The doctors from Parkland all described the same wound, about the size of a fist in the right side of the back of Kennedy's head, and the doctors who looked into the wound say that a portion of his brain was gone and brain matter was seeping from the wound. Dr. Charles Crenshaw described the back of Kennedy's head as, quote, "...looking like a crater, an empty cavity. All I could see there was mangled bloody tissue. From the damage I saw, there was no doubt in my mind that the bullet had entered his head from the front." End quote. Dr. Charles Crenshaw remained silent for years, but in 1992, after Oliver Stone's film JFK was released and interest in the case was at an all-time high, Dr. Crenshaw came forward and said, quote, I was as afraid of the men in suits as I was of the men who had assassinated the president. I reasoned that anyone who could go as far as to assassinate the president of the United States would surely not hesitate to kill a doctor, end quote. His book, Trauma Room One, rose to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Here's an interview he did in 1992 with the television program, 2020. You know the pictures.
2: You remember where you were. But you may never have heard the details you'll hear tonight. Was his face badly damaged? When they brought JFK into the emergency room, Dr. Charles Crenshaw was there. For nearly 30 years, he's been afraid to speak out. Not anymore. Listen to what he tells Tom Gerald. From
1: what you say and what you're describing, he was shot from the front. I'll always believe that because of the wounds that I observed at Parkland Hospital. A powerful new account of the death of JFK. Tonight, in a season of new movies and theories about the assassination of JFK, this report will draw lightning. A doctor who was with President Kennedy when he died breaks nearly 30 years of silence. Dr. Charles Prenshaw was in the emergency room when President Kennedy was brought in. He examined the president, saw the wounds close hand, and based on that, Dr. Prenshaw challenges the results of the Warren Commission in an eyewitness account that is rich in detail and history and emotion. Dr. Prenshaw relives for Tom Jarrell the death of the
2: president on a sunny autumn afternoon in dallas president kennedy the first lady and texas governor john connolly shared the presidential limousine they passed large friendly crowds a good sign for a political outing but as the entourage reached dealey plaza passing below the six-story high school book depository building suddenly lives were shattered we interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin from abc radio Three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade today in downtown Dallas, Texas. Almost since the day the bullets rang out here in Dealey Plaza, conspiracy theories have emerged. They've come from many sources, always suggesting a plot to kill the president with more than one gunman involved. The latest conspiracy theory comes from a respected physician who refused to speak out until his professional career was largely behind him. We've seen from news photographs what happened here on November 22, 1963. His views come from a small emergency room where there were no cameras present. And until now, details have been scarce. Doctor, the president we know was shot passing on the road in his motorcade down below, and the official version has Lee Harvey Oswald firing from behind. From what you say and what you're describing, he was shot from the front. That's correct.
1: Meaning there had to be two gunmen? At least one, and maybe two more. And you believe that? I'll always believe that, because of the wounds that I observed at Parkland Hospital. Today, Dr.
2: Charles Crenshaw is chairman of the surgery department at John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth. But in the early 1960s, he was a third-year resident at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, assigned to the trauma team, where he had observed hundreds of gunshot wounds. Let's recall the scene that day. A bewildered First Lady, her clothing splattered with her husband's blood, stayed by his side as he entered the hospital. Among the surgical staff rushing into this medical chaos was Dr. Crenshaw, a junior member of the emergency room team who became an eyewitness to history.
1: We ran into the emergency room and there was bedlam, total bedlam. People were running in, Uh, people were crying. Did President Kennedy have uh, any vital signs when you reached the... He had barely a pulse. He had an, an agonal respiration. He had no blood pressure whatsoever. Did you see the tide, his life, in effect, running out? Yes. However, God love him, Malcolm Perry, he didn't want him to die as much as all of us. He started closed chest massage, pumping on his chest, trying to make him come back or resuscitate the heart. After the medical team had done their best, had worked as hard as they could and realized it was hopeless, was there time for tears among those who had put so much emotion and effort into this? Just before the cleanup really started, there was blood and bandages on the floor. His back brace was askewed on the wall. I think it got to me most when I looked and saw the red roses of Mrs. Kennedy in the kick bucket there at the head of the table and there his blood was still dripping on it i was, felt helpless i wish we could have done more i mean here we had trained all our lives and we'd lost the president of the united states and nobody wanted to be around and mrs kennedy came in and she stopped and kissed his great toe and then she went the right side to hold his hand and at that time she took her ring off and put it on his small finger and then he was wrapped in a sheet and we placed him in a coffin but before we did I looked at the wound again I wanted to know and remember this the rest of my life and the rest of my life I will always know he was shot from the front
2: this bullet to the head was beyond a doubt the fatal wound, which is clearly seen in the Zapruder home movie. However, the film is not as conclusive on the crucial issue of the bullet's direction. Did the shot come from behind Kennedy or from the front? Remember, the Warren Commission investigation concluded the shots came only from behind. Dr. Crenshaw says they're wrong. The bullet struck about where and
1: passed about where? From here right through. Taking out the... The back or the occipital part. The back of your head. This was gone uh, in our view, and that's the reason we could see the cerebellum. Had the bullet come from the back, uh, what would have been the difference? It would have been much different. It would have gone a little more anterior and be a bigger blaster. The second wound? The second wound was here in the throat, right above the necktie. It was a small opening, very small, three to five millimeters, about the size of your little finger.
2: In a slow motion study of the film, President Kennedy grabs his throat with both hands, reacting, Crenshaw believes, as if he is shot from the front. At first, most of the doctors working on the president believed the small neck wound they observed to be an entry wound from the front. But a later autopsy from Bethesda Naval Hospital showed another previously undetected wound in the back, which the Dallas medical team had not found. This discovery made the Parkland doctors less certain in their initial conclusion that the shots came from the front. But It seems almost incomprehensible that a team of highly intelligent, highly trained doctors could be standing over the President of the United States and see wounds that you say came from the front, and yet the official government story is
1: it came from the back, and wait this long to break the silence intimidation, fear, and career-mindedness. Those are the factors. Exactly. But again, you have to understand the time in 1963. The people that were with this country were telling you what to do, how to do it. And I think uh, the feeling was we went along to get along.
2: Now Summer retired, Dr. Crenshaw has written a book breaking nearly 30 years of silence. Could the, what you call, a conspiracy of silence have been out of plain old-fashioned patriotism among the doctors? No
1: question about that. That's the reason I waited so long. I have waited until I felt I'm at the end of my career. I don't fear my peers, because I think they believe it, too. Today, at
2: the School Book Depository Museum, among the exhibits, is a display of a few sketches of the Kennedy autopsy along with the official explanation that the wounds were from bullets fired only from the rear. What was your reaction when you saw the
1: results, uh, photographs and the sketches from Bethesda, the autopsy done there? I was It was beyond disbelief for me. I could not believe that a real pathologist would put out something this poorly. Was this the same
2: man you saw as far as uh, John Kennedy, the same body that you observed? Not from the pictures
1: that I saw. And I put him in the coffin. So you say their report, in effect, is a fraud? I say that it's uh, wrongly done. And the way it was done, maybe they were directed to do it that way.
0: Dr. Kemp Clark, the chief of neurosurgery at Parkland, told the Warren Commission, quote, I examined the wound in the back of the president's head. This was a large gaping wound in the right posterior part, with cerebellar tissue being damaged and exposed, end quote. Dr. Paul Peters claimed that there was a large exit wound in the back of President Kennedy's head. He stated, quote, I could see that he had a large opening about seven centimeters in the right occipital and parietal area. A considerable portion of the brain was missing there. The back portion of the brain was lying down near the opening of the wound and blood was trickling out. I stepped up and looked and I could see inside President Kennedy's head on the right side near the back. The scalp had been torn apart there and the skull had been blasted open by the effect of the high velocity missile." Quote. I could see that he had a large, uh, about 7 centimeter opening in the right occipital parietal area, a considerable portion of the brain was missing there, and uh, the occipital cortex, the back portion of the brain, was lying down near the opening of the wound, and blood was trickling out. Several other Parkland doctors commented on what the president's head wound looked like that day. Dr. Jones told the Warren Commission... Quote, there was a large defect in the back side of the head as the president lay on the cart with what appeared to be some brain hanging out of his wound. End quote. Dr. Perry, who was the attending surgeon, told the Warren Commission, quote, I noted that there was a large wound on the right occipital area in the head exposing lacerated brain. End quote. The doctor who may have had the best vantage point of all the Parkland doctors was Dr. Robert McClellan. In all these years, he has not once changed his story about what he saw that day at Parkland and what the president's wounds looked like.
3: Um, Dr. Perry was assuming the role of the primary surgeon and as I walked by on the left side of the gurney the president was lying on, Dr. Perry uh, leaned across and handed me a surgical retractor and said, Bob, would you go stand at the head of the cart and lean over and put this retractor in the wound in his neck? where we're going to explore and do a tracheostomy. Can can you explain to, for for those of us that have what a retractor is? Well, a retractor is a little metal surgical instrument, very simple little blade that has a little hook on the end of it, and you can put that in the edge of an incision and pull it open so the operating surgeon can see better down into the wound. So that put me at the head of the gurney, uh, leaning over the president's head, and looking down from about 18 inches uh, into his head wound in the back of his wound so I had probably the best view of that massive wound in the back of his head from that position where I was helping Dr. Perry uh, and Dr. Baxter do the uh, tracheostomy and the exploration of this wound. There wasn't a doctor in the room who was probably closer to that massive head wound than, no. than you. No. In fact, when I went and stood in that position, the first thing that kind of exclaimed out of my mouth was I said, my God, have you seen the back of his head? It's gone. And Dr. Carrico said, no, we just got here, just ahead of you, and we haven't had time to look at anything except this wound in his neck. And I said, well, the back of his brain, the back half of his brain is gone. And as I stood there, just as I said that, Uh, The right half of the cerebellum, the back part of the brain, fell out of that massive wound in the back of his head onto the cart. So this was obvious that this was uh, a fatal injury to the brain.
0: were eight doctors at Barkland Hospital who claimed to have seen cerebellum in the president's head wound. Doctors McClellan, Carrico, Clark, Jenkins, Baxter, Perry, Peters, and Grossman. This observation of cerebellum in the head wound means that the wound would have to be low enough for the doctor to see the cerebellum and if that is the case then the official autopsy placement of the wound which is on top of the right side of the head would have to be incorrect. So who's right about the cerebellum damage? The Barkland doctors or the autopsy doctors in the brain photos? Normally, the brain photos would be a slam dunk to conclusively prove the fact and end the conversation. The challenge here, however, as we will soon find out in future episodes, is that there are real questions about the authenticity of the autopsy photos of the president's brain. Next week on The End of Innocence, we will hear from the other person who was wounded in the presidential limo that day, Governor John Conley. Why was Governor Conley and his wife convinced that the Warren report was wrong about the shots that day in Dallas? We'll see you next week.